you should try organic. What about becoming vegan? Don't eat any carbs. How about low carb? Paleo, keto, don't eat anything white. Don't forget about the dirty dozen. You eat too little. You eat too much. Don't forget to fast before you work out. I do intermittent fasting. Don't eat after six o'clock. Oh my God, sugar? Every day, I'm inundated with opinions. And you know what they say about opinions. Please, don't be foodish. Join me, Amy Goldsmith, owner of Kinder Nutrition and Wellness and Dietitian for 20 years, as I talk evidence-based nutrition to get the disorder out of eating. I can't wait to serve you. Hello, hello. I'm so happy to be here today to talk to all of you who are listening to Don't Be Foodish. This is Amy Goldsmith, and today we are talking to Lisa Martin from Salvary Health and Fitness. We had a conversation about the world of wellness and all of the disordered thoughts, discussions, and language. I hope that you enjoy this discussion. Please rate it, please share it, and here we go. All right, everybody, welcome back to Don't Be Foodish. I'm so excited to have our guest today. Our guest today is Lisa Martin from Salvary Health and Fitness. Welcome. Thank you. So let's get right into things. I know we work and collaborate together often. And if you get Lisa and I going, we can talk for hours and hours on end on how our industry has really um, at times gotten a little bit, um, I don't know what we should say, maybe um, judgmental or um, hypocritical or nasty at times. <laughs> um, so I, I think just to kind of start things off, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and why you consider yourself different from the average fitness professional? Um, so, uh, first, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it and definitely appreciate others in the industry with similar mindsets. So, um, for (laughs) sure we could throw anything in there. Um, so I've been in the fitness industry about 25 years. Um, I started in fitness as a, as a athlete growing up and I was like, Oh, I can't wait. I'm gonna get in this industry. So what I can do make people throw up and you know, whatever. And, you know, I I kind of started the industry and I was like, I don't think that's really sounds like that much fun. And um, so I started in the gym, working in gyms in about 97. And then uh, by 99, when I'd taken enough direction from others, which is not, not one of my strong points, I decided to venture out on my own. And when I did that, I stumbled upon another trainer who was doing breast cancer recovery work. So fortunately for me, I was still new in the industry and, and a little bit dumb, which worked in my favor because it kind of led me to recognizing and digging a little deeper into the purpose behind movement. And I was really able to see as these people were going through various phases of cancer treatment, I was really able to see how empowering movement was and how powerful for somebody who was sick or, or recovering from something, how when they could move their bodies, it, it was like, wow, it, it was something that kind of made them not feel sick. So I, I started to really reflect on how we could utilize movement in a different way as I was watching the industry really start to develop and form itself. I mean, that was kind of, I think, as we see the fitness industry today, it was really exploded through the 90s. So this was the late 90s, early 2000s. And then from there, just built into training women and most of it in home. And I was watching all these women struggle, whether it was, whether they were breast cancer recovery or not, with some similar 
struggles. And that was, you know, kind of recognizes their, their own self-worth beyond what their outside body looked like. And I saw a lot of just women that were sad that, you know, either depressed or whatever. And I'm thinking, well, all these people are struggling alone. Why not? Why can't we create a place where we're all navigating this space together and we can flip this on its head and start to really create a different philosophy and mindset surrounding movement and do it together as a community versus just in isolation, which felt very, you know, it, 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 it wasn't very empowering. So that led me to open up my bricks and mortar in 2008. And then, and then from there, I've, I've, you know, built, whether it's private training or small group training, all, all of my stuff is with the philosophy of how we can use movement to empower versus movement to as something because I don't like my body, but how can we use it for something a little bit deeper? And I love how you use the word movement. I mean, you know that in um, my office, we call it joyful movement. Um, you know, movement should not be a punishment. Um, and I think that that's where a lot of uh, individuals, especially in the United States, get in trouble. You know, they decide, hey, I'm going to move because I don't like the way my body looks or I'm going to move because, you know, my physician told me that I have to get on a treadmill, which I hate doing and that sort of thing. So um, I, I just absolutely love that. So I know it's very, very important for you to be inclusive, meaning you work with all individuals. Um, in my experience, this is a unique skill set uh, because I feel like with fitness specialists, um, sometimes the marketing um, gets very, very specific. Um, and you know, with that, with the specifics, it kind of um, becomes something that's exclusive um, that not everybody can join. Um, and I really, I get that from a marketing brand at the same time. I, I don't really like it um, because I'm all about inclusivity. So tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Like, how do you, what are your goals to be um, inclusive and, and why do you do that? Yeah. So um, again, just my, the style of, of training and, and I have a couple other trainers that work here, here with me and really our, our philosophy is, you know, we take any body size, any ability um, and any experience. And part of the reason for that is, you know, fitness should really be a journey. And one of my biggest struggles with the fitness industry is we don't teach fitness as a practice like we teach a lot of other things, whether it's playing an instrument, whether it's learning math, whether it's mm -hmm. learning yoga or a sport. Everything else has a practice and a, and a process to it. Whereas fitness, we just teach, I'm going to spit out a command and you follow. Well, we're all products of life, whether it's injuries, whether it's sitting, whether it's, you know, a, a surgery or an accident, it doesn't matter. So it, that actually creates a space that anybody can be included in. How do we address fitness from the standpoint of what's best for my inside body and my musculoskeletal health long before any semblance of intensity? And mm -hmm. all of us, I mean, I have a lifetime of movement experience and Amy, I know you do too. It doesn't mean I still don't have things I need to address and continue to practice or I need to back up or I need to move forward. And so how do we begin to create an environment where we're suggesting exercises that are appropriate first, long before we look at what's the intensity level. So I don't do a ton of like sports training and stuff like that in here. So while, you know, I'm very inclusive from the standpoint of you know, bodies and abilities, there's definitely things I don't do. And I believe if, if as the fitness industry, we could start to get along the same language, a lot of these other places that do have a little bit more of a niche, if, if we were, it's the promotion side of it, not the necessarily the implementation that's, that's sometimes the struggle. 
Um, so right. it's again, making sure we're giving exercises that are appropriate just because somebody can do it doesn't mean it's necessarily the right thing for their body at that moment in time. It sounds to me like um, you use a lot of evidence-based um, techniques. So, and a lot of assessment. So, you know, I think that's really important, um, you know, because I'm in the, the health field uh, and I've worked with, my goodness, you know, at 46, I've had lots of injuries. I, um, you know, pains, all those types of things. It's always been a turnoff to me if somebody just kind of like visually looks at me and doesn't do an entire assessment. Um, so I like the fact that, that you really kind of assess the individual that you're working with and specify like what you think is the best kind of technique or recommendation to move forward. Because uh, because mm -hmm. I agree with you, I'm not against anything that's going to make people move. But um, I'm going to give you an example. Uh, my son's football team. You know, it makes me cringe when I tell when I hear them tell people to drop down and do burpees or pushups because I'm going to tell you what 90% of them aren't even using the right form. It pisses me off. <laughs> so right, I mean, well, so it's also know. not making them better at the sport. You know, right. and, you know, I can usually tell people that have been athletes because I'm like, oh, you hate pushups and you hate running. So they were given as punishment when you were younger, weren't they? And they're like, oh, yeah, they were, you Absolutely. know, and, and they're in the bottom line. They're not helping us get better at the sport. So they're not even accomplishing, you know, what what our goal really is anyway. Right. It drives me nuts. That, that makes me cringe when I see <laughs> exercise uses punishment. I, I really I do. I know. So we've talked about in the nutrition and fitness field, you know, the, about the language people use. And I mean, so much of the conversation is always associated with weight or weight loss, or this is good or bad. Um, I just met with a bunch of high school cross country women yesterday, and they were asking me about like race weight and, you know, how is this going to affect my pace? Um, you know, we just live in a time where I feel like that language is just destroying people's, um, you know, opinion about movement. And I just think that we have to do better in our industry to stop using that language. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, 100%. Totally agree. I mean, first of all, it, it leaves them with the assumption that we know what somebody's perfect weight is, if that's even a thing, which, you know, I don't, I don't believe it is. Our bodies change throughout our entire life. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it really and truly, if it was a motivator, I mean, how many people have you seen that have lost and gained, you know, the same 50 pounds? Like, if it was actually a motivator, it's not. And it's also not necessarily healthy. I mean, I've seen people who are sick who get encouraged to maintain weight loss that they didn't accomplish via any sort of means that they wanted to do. And, right. you know, it just, it just leads with an assumption that first of all, we know what that is. Um, second of all, I've seen so many unhealthy behaviors in an effort to manipulate the scale that maybe was never supposed to be manipulated to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, we all have different genetics. Um, and I think it takes a real focus off on, on creating that, whether it's joyful movement and intu intuitive movement. I really work with people getting back in touch with their bodies. It's their journey, not, not mine. And I feel like as trainers, we often take it on as ours and we go, well, they didn't listen to me. And, and mm -hmm. I find it's usually the opposite. Usually the trainer didn't listen to them. And yes. it's, it's helping them get back in touch with their bodies and then let, taking their feedback. And that's what guides our training. It's a partnership, not, a, you know, I'm not standing up here as some like dictatorship where I'm telling them, you know, demanding them on what to do. And if they don't listen to me, well, shame on them. And I think that's, 
really not helped people feel good about moving their bodies. I mean, you're hard pressed to find a, a anybody, but especially a female who can go back to middle school and say, you know what, I loved PE class. <laughs> you know, so it's it's how do we really realize what's happened over people's lifetime with regard to movement and and start to again flip it upside down and and help them find find joy in it, find pleasure in it, find empowerment in it find that it helps them sleep better, find that it helps them, you know, go on vacation differently, that, you know, there's so many other reasons to move our body. It's that this hyper conversation on weight loss, it really makes it people that are seeing all these great things happen in their life. They go, well, but I didn't, you know, it just devalues what they actually are seeing from the standpoint of the benefits to moving their bodies. And I think it's, I think it's done a ginormous disservice to, to our industries in general and to people more importantly. I agree. I mean, you know, a lot of what you've just talked about is that negative reinforcement. And I just don't, you know, I've been doing this for almost 25 years. I don't think negative reinforcement motivates anybody. Um, nope. and, and I nope. often say to my colleagues, if I hear you talking, if I hear your voice talking, you know, mumbling in the offices, I question if you, um, if this is the right thing for you to do, because I agree with you, there is definitely a time to speak. But really the, the professional who is really good at what they do and, and has the word of mouth and um, you know, values people coming back are the people who can listen and partner exactly what you said. I mean, that's often the first thing I say to my patients. Look, I've been doing this for 25 years. Um, I am not somebody who's gonna hand you a sheet and tell you good luck and, and see you in a couple of weeks. We need to really talk about what my recommendations are, what you think you can do, compromise and partner to move forward. So I, I love how you say that. Yeah. Um, well, then you enter other language like good and bad or should or could or, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, especially with regard to movement, all of us are going to look different doing a squat. You know, right. what's what's the optimal positioning for a squat? Well, mine's going to look different than yours. Yes. So there's really not uh, necessarily a right and wrong. There's surely things that we need to address. Don't get me wrong or, or confuse what I'm saying. But I think this good and bad and should, you know, people say, well, shouldn't I get up in the morning and work out? I'm like, are you going to get up? And they go, no. And I go, okay, then you should <laughs> Like, it's that simple, actually. Science is one thing, but real life is another. Like, if you're not going to get up, then throw that idea out the window. Right. You know, like, it's, it's, okay, you know, yeah, we need science. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of that. Obviously, it's, it's what we both do. It's our basis. But then we got to realize we're dealing with human beings and, and then help them navigate what works best for them. Right. With that right. stuff into consideration. Right. I share with my, um, with sometimes with my sports nutrition um, folks, I want to be that person that gets up at five in the morning and, you know, does my workout and feels wonderful and has all the dopamine. I am never going to do that. I'm dehydrated when I wake up in the morning. I don't have enough fuel in me and I am going to hate every single second of it. So I like how yeah. you said that. Like I, and it's okay for me to say, I want to be that person and I know I'm not. So um, yeah, you know, so move on and figure out what works for you. <laughs> I like yeah. how you uh, say that. Um, so what do you think uh, we can do differently? I mean, I, I feel like the movement that we're working towards is growing and we have more professionals who feel the same way as us, but I feel like, um, you know, we're still stuck because we obviously want to put a lot of effort into the people that we're working with here and now. So, you know, although we want to shout at the uh, top of the rooftops, 
you know, it's hard for us to get out there and, um, you know, speak on this platform, especially just because um, the platforms are mostly taken from, um, you know, people who have been in the industry utilizing the language that we hate for so long. Um, yeah. What do you think we can do? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> well, I, one is more of what we're what we're doing already. I think collaboration is the key. I think, you know, and, and Amy, you and I have talked about this is professionals knowing where the scope of practice stops and starts. And, you know, I've heard many of fitness professionals giving food advice. Um, and now what a lot of people don't know is I actually have a degree in dietetics. So my degree is not mm -hmm. actually even in fitness. And I, I don't practice any sort of nutrition. I mean, I did it because the fitness degrees at that point in time weren't, weren't fantastic. Um, right. But, you know, and it gave me a lot of science background that I knew I would never learn. But we as, as professionals don't take the time to really do the hard work ourselves and say, oh, here's the, the stopping point in my scope of practice, but who do I have I can call? And mm -hmm. so I think collaboration is the key. I think helping the people we work with understand that it's a team approach and we're willing to work together as a team. And, and then honestly, it, it makes our jobs easier. You know, I mean, then you don't have to be a fitness professional. I don't have to be a nutrition professional. Like, I'm like, oh my God, my job's so much easier now. Like, <laughs> you, you this, I can't, I'm done, you know? So right. it's, how do we all begin to work together and realize that, you know, there are resources out there, you know, that we can, can help them find that team of people too, that they can trust that we're going to all have the same messaging. I think it's, I think the medical community is hard. The fitness advice that I get from people coming out of the medical, you know, out of their doctor's offices and saying, oh, my doctor told me to work my core and they pat their stomach. And I'm like, well, why? And they go, I don't know. I was like, okay, well, you know, they're like, well, they said I had no core strength. I'm like, well, then you're a miracle because you're walking. Like, right. <laughs> you can't walk and have no core strength. And it's, it's how do we, you know, begin to get each industry on, on board with similar language, which is, you know, I think I, again, I do see a lot of movement and a lot of, a lot of chatter, especially kind of on the underground where, where we are, you know, and, and I think collaboration is the key and, and really, recognizing our scope of practice and not being afraid to reach out to another professional and starting to speak a little bit more professional to professional, I think is, is a ginormous key. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, a lot of the way we do things, a lot of our time is kind of meeting different people that we're, that we want to collaborate with so that we can build our network. And I think you said something very important and, you know, I value physicians. I think, you know, we need physicians at Absolutely. the same time. Um, you know, I would be lying if I didn't say that I feel like the medical system is broken. Um, and I don't know why that is. I have suspicions that it's due to, you know, kind of insurance regulating, you know, the for-profit insurance uh, companies regulating everything. But you hit the nail on the head. What if at each annual, you know, physical with the physician, they actually had a visual guide and were held accountable to see, okay, what is their movement like? What is their nutrition like? Um, you know, um, what is their depression or anxiety like? And they actually not only just asked the question and then, you know, typed it in the computer, but they actually followed through and said, you know, based off of this meeting, I feel you have a risk of osteopenia. So we need to get you to a movement specialist. And, you know, um, I, I, instead of saying like, you're overweight because your BMI says something, which we all know how I feel about BMI, it's stupid. Yeah, maybe, um, maybe both. You, know, <laughs> you know, they, or saying, you know, you need to stop eating carbohydrates without even asking what they eat in a day. Hey, you know what? I think that you can meet with a dietitian. Um, so right there, I think, 
so much of um, the United States specifically, and I don't know if it's different in Europe, relies on that, you know, that black and white word from the physician who, quite frankly, um, you know, does a disservice when they don't refer outside of their scope. Um, right. So I think, and I think that's what we do well. I feel like the allied health um, does an awesome job with that. You know, I feel like the therapists that I work with do a great job with that. Um, psychiatrists do a little bit better than the primary care physicians, dietitians, um, movement specialists. Um, but we can't be the last draw. We have to be the first draw because it's right. so broken elsewhere. So yeah, the collaboration, I agree with you, is just so important. Right. When I think it's no differently than I shouldn't write someone's prescription. Right. And right. that's how I, exactly. that's how I use the conversation with my, with my clients. I actually do write letters to my clients. So when they're going into their physician, I do write mm -hmm. a letter to the doctor stating, you know, I mean, obviously if they ask for it, I don't just, you know, sometimes I do blindly send it, but you know, that right. way the doctor at least is arms because they're also been handcuffed a little bit with time and, you know, they're not given a lot of time to get yeah. to know somebody. So they just, you know, are, are also kind of, you know, stuck in, in a little bit of a, a product of, I think, you know, our, our society where it is today, but, um, you know, if we can arm them with some information and, and actually arm our clients too, because sometimes they get in there and they're like, I, I then didn't feel like I could even use my voice. Right. And so at least if they can say, well, can you read this letter? Because it tells you that I am working out. I'm working out mm -hmm. four days a week, you know, mm -hmm. so don't tell me to go exercise more. Right. You know, which could be a dangerous recommendation actually. Right. Right. Yes. We do the same thing. And you're right. It's, it's, it's helping to teach the individual to advocate for themselves and, you know, give them some background, but you're right. I mean, the, the, the professional that has the most responsibility, right. The professional that can diagnose, write prescriptions, um, and do diagnostic, um, you know, measure different diagnostic tools, spends the least amount of time often, um, with the individual. So you're right. Like I do have a lot of patients who say, my gosh, I wrote everything down. I didn't get to it. Um, when I talked to my physician, I will say that you and I are few and far between though. It is absolutely amazes me. Um, especially like with the management of my eating disorder patients, how terrible, um, so many of the providers are at collaborating or surprised when I'm reaching out. So, um, that's yeah. definitely something that is big, big value. So, um, I know we've talked about this, um, in our conversations, but let's talk about, let's go back to the weight and the body fat and, you know, all those wonderful kind of metrics that everybody kind of loves to have. Do you really think it's necessary to do, um, to constantly measure those things to see progress? Absolutely not. I probably haven't measured that on somebody and I don't even know what year we're in 2022 or something. <laughs> I don't think I've measured that in at least 15 years, if not more, um, never once. And I don't actually, I don't even, I have, I probably could do body fat. I think I have no scale in here. I, I don't. Um, and I tell people all the time, you, you can go anywhere and get that information. <laughs> You're going to know it before I will anyway. Why can't we have a space where we do none of that? And they usually sigh a great, oh, they're like, thank God, you know, because everywhere that's the first judgment tool. And it's, again, oftentimes misleading. And yes. I have seen many of people that are in a smaller body that are on far medications and somebody who's in a larger body that would have been labeled very differently by the medical community. And I'm like, we need to stop labeling. And I, I also think it takes away from 
people starting to get in touch with their bodies and learn how to listen to their bodies and what's actually happening to me. Like, oh, I sleep better every night I work out. The number of my clients that say every night of a workout, I sleep so great, you know, or like, oh my gosh, my energy level is so, so good. Somebody came back from vacation. She was like, my husband was like, oh my God, you're walking through the airport so differently. So here she was able to travel differently. I mean, and, and so we're missing all the things that actually matter to our life. And I think our, our hyper focus on it has just really created the standpoint of it's, it, it overshadows and it, and it puts a dark shadow on what really happens when people move their bodies regularly. And it gives people the space to say, wait, today I'm low energy. You know what I'm going to do? I have some, some stretching, some mobility work. I'm going to do that today. I'm low energy. Because if we just focus on weight loss, that doesn't count, mm -hmm. right? I mean, and that again mm -hmm. brings back to another, how many fitness professionals post their high intensity interval workout on their Instagram page? Like, look at me sweating, but they don't post their mobility day. They don't post the day they're doing stretching. So if we're not leading by example as professionals, how can we expect the industry to change? So, right. you know, I should be applauding the day I'm doing mobility equally as much as I'm applauding the day I'm doing a five mile run as a professional. Absolutely. And I don't post my own workouts. I, so I'm not, I'm not a person that believes that that my fitness journey, my profession is, I don't, I don't, I just don't do it. It's, it's my journey. And, you know, I really want my clients to be in here and it's their journey. And so I do know that many fitness professionals that do, and I'm fine with that. It's, it's then we need to provide balance and we need to post all of it. If we're going to promote all of it and promote it equally and talk about it equally. So. I agree. It's kind of like dietitians posting what they eat in a day. We all need something different. I could care less what, what you eat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. And I, my clients don't care what I do for a workout. And again, it's right. not about me. And right. you know, again, I think that's something unique to even the fitness industry is, you know, here we're trying to, to mark ourselves as professionals. And I tell people, I see people more than any other professional in their life. Even mm -hmm. if I see them once a week, I see them more than any other professional in their life. I better damn mm -hmm. well act like a professional. So right. walking around, taking pictures of me with my shirt off is not acting like a professional. I sure know mm -hmm. somebody can't go into corporate America as that is their LinkedIn profile picture. Right. You know? So again, as an, as an industry, we have to start doing a lot of fitness specific in investigation of our own behaviors and, and really challenging ourselves to do hard things. And if yeah. we're going to suggest our clients do hard things, then we need to model doing hard things. I agree. And, you know, I always say weight is a measurement of gravity. I can't tell you how many people, um, and again, you know, there are sometimes with some of my patients, I do have to do a weight. We have blind scales. Nobody sees their weight. It, the um, scale looks like a flying saucer, a very modern thing people see when it comes to my computer. But I can tell you, you know, sometimes people will go, you know, when it's not recommended and they'll weigh themselves somewhere else and they will say, you know, I had a bad day or I felt that I needed to work out more you know, or I felt like I couldn't eat this because of that number on the scale, which I mean, there are so many things that manipulate that number on the scale. And, you know, the thing with movement is, gosh, that takes away everything. Like when you're really intuitive and, you know, thoughtful and mindful about you, how you move, all the things you said matter, the sleep, the less fatigue. How about like being able to do like more body weight exercise? You know, when you first start, I mean, doing a plank, for example, I mean, how horrible is that? <laughs> like when you first right. start doing that, but how rewarding is it when it becomes easier and you're not staring at the, you know, the, the seconds that are going by um, and the same thing with like squatting, all those types of things. Um, people should be focusing more on that because that, um, 
that assessment is really giving them more true evidence that what they're doing is working. Who cares about that number on the scale? Right. Right. And, and chronic pain. I mean, I think I, yes. I don't have, I have very few people that walk in here that don't have something that has hurt them. And mm -hmm. we, you know, again, our, our messaging in the fitness industry, oh, no pain, no gain. Well, false, <laughs> actually, right. you know, and so when we're looking at the scale as our, as our barometer of success, you know, we're like, okay, well, wrap your knee up and wrap your arm up and keep doing these exercises. Like, well, no, like, let's, let's teach the process. And I use the burpee as an, as an example of an exercise we give because it gets your heart rate up, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you can't deep squat, you have no business doing a burpee. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, one of the things I tell my clients is we actually rob them of an experience. Mm -hmm. I was like, we rob you of the process by giving you an exercise that's two years in the making and, and give yourself the credit for putting in that two years worth of work. Like let's work on the squat first. Let's work on the plank first. You know, there's, there's yep. five steps to building to a burpee. Instead we walk in a classroom and go in a group and go, do you know what a burpee is? We go, Oh, okay, great. Then you're qualified to do it. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and then when their backs hurt six months later, we go, Oh, okay. Um, go see this chiropractor and then I'll see you again next week, like, or massage therapist or whatever. But you know, pain's not natural. It's our body mm -hmm. saying, Hey, Hey, hey help. And we can help. And, and, you know, when people start to feel less pain, by golly, their whole life changes. Yeah. And I, I think that our hyper focus on what's going on to manipulate the outside of our bodies is, is really, again, kind of just, this is just another sticking point in progress is, mm -hmm. you know, we can get people in less pain and, yep. you know, we're not, we're not talking about that enough. You know, it, we're talking at like the best time. I'm not sure if you saw this. Um, my therapist that works with us at Kindred Nutrition, she texted me early this morning and there's a new Peloton row um, instructor. And she did this amazing post today because she posted a picture of her body. And it makes me sad because the negative feedback that she got was un, absolutely unreal. And so she posted a, I mean, kick ass response. Um, and I want to read just a little bit of it because I'm so glad yeah. to see um, it, it's a little bit longer. So I'm going to start here. She said, this week, I got to share with the world a project I've been working on for almost a year and the love was unmatched. I looked at Facebook, hoping it would be the same as everywhere else. It was not. The amount of disgusting, fat-shaming comments, ironically by men with profile pictures standing with their wife and daughter, were overwhelming. Let me be clear. I am healthy. I'm a size 12 pant, size large legging, extra large sports bra, and size large tank top. The middle school me would be mortified by those sizes, but the healed 31-year-old stands proudly in her truth. I fought hard to make it this far in life, a story only few know. I worked hard to make waves in rowing the way I have. I've played small, a large portion of my life. And when this opportunity came about, I said, I'm showing up unapologetically because why not me? Someone needs to be someone like me. So let me be the first. And I'm almost done. To all the fat shamers questioning my health and calling me Lizzo, that's actually not an insult. I share this not for them, but for anyone trying to be the first and still working through their stuff to drown out the booze. Keep fucking going. I promise the other side of your healing is like nothing you have ever felt. When you start choosing you first, you stop noticing the people who choose you last. It is easy to criticize when you're not in the arena. Let them talk while you work. Lastly, for them to be so appalled by you, they sure do look often and give you their time. 
So I, I, I got this text this morning and, and even now, I mean, I don't know if you can see, but I have goosebumps that, because I'm like, okay, yeah. she's our people, right? Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, but it, it, it's just, it's just amazing to me that we are in the year of 2022 and people are wasting their time commenting on social media and you know why they're doing it? They're wimps. They're absolute wimps, right? They potentially are not feeling great about themselves. So they are going to try to distract themselves and just, you know, um, move their unhappiness, um, somewhere else. But I mean, I applaud this Peloton instructor because- absolutely. You know what? She's kicking ass. Yeah. And I think what people forget is when they comment on Facebook thinking this Peloton instructor who's reading it. No, it's people in their circle that are reading it. Oh, absolutely. Right. It's right. their relatives, it's their kids, it's their friends that are reading, see these comments. Oof. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. Props to that. That's fantastic. Thanks for reading that. I know. So I know that um, something else I really wanted to talk about is how active in the community with inclusivity you are for the LGBTQ and transgender community. I know this is a passion um, and you're very involved. And I, I think this is great because I also work very closely with this community and they're just, there's not a lot of resources. So um, tell, tell us a little bit about um, how involved you are and some projects you have going on um, and your ideology. So, um, so yeah, uh, and I'm, I'm relatively, I'll say newish over the, over the last several years and involved, um, especially with the transgendered community. Um, you know, and it, it falls, I think, kind of in line with the work we do where it's about getting better, more in touch with our bodies, uh, self-love, um, you know, so it's, it's how do we begin to teach movement that's not gendered? You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff out there. It's like, oh, if you're a man, exercise like this. If you're a woman, exercise like this. Or a woman should look like this. A man should look like that. Back to these words that, that you know, we really don't want to use. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it's, it, and, then, and then enter sports. You know, we haven't, haven't necessarily found a safe space for that across the board either. And so you have people that are, kind of struggling to navigate just how to love their own bodies, how to be in a body that looks like it feels like on the inside. Um, and, and then there's movement is important. It's important still for so many reasons. And um, they do often, you know, it's again, falls in line even with some of the eating disorder work is they're doing things that manipulate their bodies where they do have control, which is through fitness or exercise. So, you know, we're even seeing sometimes things that are being done that are unsafe or unhealthy and, mm -hmm. and we really haven't created an environment where somebody, you know, looks, you know, has facial hair or whatever, but identifies as a female, well, are they going to walk into a regular gym? Where are they going to go to find safe space to move their body how they want to move their body, not mm -hmm. how society says they should move their body? You know, if you look like a man, you should be lifting really heavy weights. Well, maybe not. Maybe that's not how they identify or how they feel, or even who cares what their gender identity. Maybe they just don't want to look like that, you know? So right. it's how do we start to peel away these layers of, of gendered movement even? Um, so I do some work, you know, I've, I've had some people that have gone through top surgery um, and do some hormonal work, people that have gone through hormones, um, hormone treatment, and then just working now, we're kind of moving into a space where, you know, we're going to do some small group work, especially with high schoolers. Um, I mean, really anybody, but you know, that's a, a time that's tough in life anyway, is going through that, navigating that transition from being a kid to being an adult and, you know, 
finding that space and, and helping them learn how to move at a much earlier age. So we're not peeling mm-hmm. their way in their thirties and forties, you know, mm-hmm. but, but creating safe space to, to learn how does my body even move? Um, because many of them haven't had a safe experience. So, right. you know, that's kind of one of the things that we're, you know, have been working on it, you know, especially through the last several years of the pandemic and stuff, but, you know, now even, even transitioning out of that is, is, you know, cr- creating more space as we're doing more in-person, in-person activities. That's great. I applaud you. And I'm so happy that the community has you as a resource. Uh, so speaking of a resource, how can people who are listening, how can we find you? How can we work with you? Um, I do have a website. So the website right. is salveryhealthandfitness.com. You can find me on Facebook too at Salvary Health and Fitness. Um, you can send me a message there. Um, email, phone. So kind of any of those, any of those ways, texting, I text like a 12 year old. So um, <laughs> <laughs> um, meaning as I often will text back and then forget for the next two days. Right. Um, <laughs> but, but any of those ways. Um, so my w- email address is wellnessevolution at hotmail.com. Um, and then, yeah. Excellent. So I'm going to post all of your information for anybody who's listening. Um, are you taking on new clients and are you doing, um, are you adding to any of the current group work that you do? Yes. Yes. Okay. So we are taking on new clients. Uh, we will add to groups. A lot of times our groups get added as we have either have more people or as the groups we already have on the calendar get, get full. Uh, So that being said, our groups are all small groups. So everything we do is centered around personal training. So our groups are never bigger than six, usually four or five. And that is because it's still personal training. Um, Not the same that you would get in a private session, but we still do address, you know, appropriateness of exercise. So it's not, everybody doesn't get the same workout. Uh, Some of it has to do with how often they see us. Some of it has to do with what people do outside of the studio. Um, But we do tailor the workouts in our groups to the individual. So we're not, we're not a group fitness, you know, it's not body pump or something where you go in and everybody just does the same thing. Right. Right. And you still do the individual work as well. If it's requested, Mm -hmm. right. Oh yeah. Yeah. We do most of our work is actually either individual partner training. We have some people that actually bring their own group that might say, Hey, I have Ah. two friends that want to work out. So we do some of that too, but yeah, much of our work is private. Um, everybody, no matter what, the first thing we do is we do a, an individual meeting where we do that assessment. We look at just some mechanics, go through any sort of history, medications. You know, we have a lot of people that have come off of medications. I have people that are like, oh my God, I've been on medications for 20 years and I'm, not, I'm now 50% of my medications. Amazing. Um, you know, so we do that for everybody, no matter whether you're entering a group or a private session, they always meet with a trainer individually before we, we you know, kind of determine what direction we want to go. Some people do a blend. I have some people that do a private session and a group session. So, you know, it depends on, on where, where, you know, what path we're navigating. Excellent. Well, Lisa, it was so great to talk to you today. And I know for some of my clients or patients, you know, I use that word back and forth for no reason at all, just out of habit. (laughs) You know, I, I know some of you, we we, will be collaborating with Lisa, but um, we do have a large audience. So if anybody is listening again, I'm going to have all of Lisa's information posted um, so you can find her. So forward to talking again. um, And I thank you for talking with us today. Absolutely. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate the work you do. So I, thanks, for, thanks for including me. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.
I could talk to Lisa all day. I hope you all enjoyed our conversation and received some insight that will help you focus on joyful movement and functional fitness. If you're interested in learning more about Lisa, you can reach her at 410-707-0055 or you can check her out on the web at www.salverehealthandfitness.com. That's www.salverehealthandfitness.com. I hope you enjoy your day and we'll talk with you next time.